Hey, this is Dave DeBoe. Would you like to access private capital so that you can buy more properties and scale your real estate business? Then check out my brand new podcast. It's called the How to Raise Capital 101 Show. Now, the first nine episodes are a mini course on how to raise six figures in a matter of weeks and seven figures in a matter of months, even if you're starting from scratch. So you can find this new show. Again, it's called the How to Raise Capital 101 Show wherever you listen to podcasts. Or feel free to visit us at RaiseCapital101Show.com. Hey everyone, Dave DeBow here with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Today, zooming in from Chicago, but originally I believe you're based out of California, if I'm not mistaken, Gene. We've got right. Gene Trowbridge, who is a very experienced real estate investor, syndicator, and more importantly, a securities and exchange lawyer. So he knows about real estate, knows about the legal side of things. He knows about syndications. Today, we're going to be talking about syndications. We're going to be talking about crowdfunding. We're going to be talking about how to raise money for bigger type deals. So Gene, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Dave. I appreciate the kind words. I appreciate letting you do this sitting here in my hotel room in Chicago, as opposed to my elaborate layout like you have. That looks good. Very attractive there. So let's get to it. Let's get to it. So Gene, first of all, tell me what is your definition of syndication? What's your definition of crowdfunding? And let's just compare and contrast the two, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's a really good question that I get. I get many phone calls from people who say, hey, I want to buy a property. I'm going to need 15, 20 people, but I don't want to make it a syndication. So I kind of stop when I hear that, mm-hmm. take a deep breath and say, well, listen, it is a syndication because a syndication is really just two or more people getting together to do some business venture, contributing cash, labor, management, whatever they contribute. It doesn't make any difference. That is a syndication. And we see that when we watch a television show or we watch a movie at the beginning of the movie, there are all these logos of all these companies that are involved. Well, they all pooled to put that movie together. I mean, I flew here to Chicago with 136 of my best friends. And even though there was no profit motive, that was a syndication because none of us I guess, owned our own airplane and our pilots. So we just pool our money. So it's a syndication. Now, the best question a person should have asked me is, I want to do all that, but I don't want it to be a security. So we'll talk about a security in a minute because it's a different issue. But crowdfunding is a word that came to us in the Jobs Act of 2012. And there's a regulation in the Jobs Act and it's called regulation, crowdfunding. It was an attempt by the SEC and Congress to put something together in the United States that looked like the donative, meaning gifting, the donative crowdfunding that was going on around the world. I mean, you'd open up your email and someone says, you know, I need new braces. I can't afford them myself. We all send me $10. Okay, so all these people are pooling their money to buy Gene new braces. They weren't expecting anything in return. So that's donative crowdfunding. I want a big wedding. I want a vacation. Uh, Hey, 
I'm doing beer in my basement. If I had some money, I could go down the street and rent a storefront and do beer there. You send me some money, I'll send you a case of beer. Never profit. Okay. Never profit. So regulation crowdfunding said, hey, let's apply the securities rules to that type of a deal. We'll call it regulation crowdfunding. And if in fact, you want to share the profits with people, here is the rule on how you do regulation crowdfunding. And it started just as a million dollars was all you could raise. It has to go through a broker dealer, a securities firm to do it. You can advertise, you can take any investor you want, basically. Okay. And it's not been terribly used. It's not been terribly except in the marketplace because the million dollars is a real limit. Just this well, last year. I would year, imagine raised, the expense of setting it up to raise oh, a million bucks might not oh. be worth it. And probably not good for real estate. Mm-hmm. And well, I'll tell you about that in a minute. And so then this last year, 2021, they did raise it to $5 million, but you still have to go through a broker dealer, a start engine and some of these other things, but they don't do real estate. So it really is of no value to real estate at all, except for the fact that everyone usurped the word. Mm. Now the word crowdfunding seems to mean we're going to advertise for investors, period. I've seen it in loan documents. Lenders, big loans, 20 million, 25 million. Lenders say the borrower has to attest to the fact that he didn't use crowdfunding to go on social media and raise money through marketing and advertising well. You know, you can do that. You can do that under the securities laws now. So we have to go to the lender and tell them, hey, you guys don't know what crowdfunding is all about. But it is, and there are platforms, CrowdStreet, RealCrowd, everyone has usurped the word in in the cover of my book. It's crowdfunding and syndication. Every time I advertise that I'm going to speak somewhere, I do use the words crowdfunding and syndication because it attracts viewers, but I have to go through all this crap to say that it isn't really anything that we're going to talk about, but it is a synonym. It's a synonym for syndication. And in the United States now, crowdfunding is the law that lets you raise money from people and share the profits with them, but you can be aggressive in marketing. Okay, very good. So there goes our 17 minutes. <laughs> what, would, what would you so how would you distinguish between syndication and a joint venture or something? Well, like there that? there is no difference. A syndication okay. could be a joint venture. Mm-hmm. It could be a limited partnership, two or more people. Mm-hmm. It could be an LLC, it, whatever entity you want to combine these people together in legally. And generally, all the entity structures questions are IRS questions. Who's going to pay the taxes and how it's going to be reported and all that. But a joint venture would be a syndication. Once again, the better question is, how would you distinguish a joint venture from a security? Yeah, so let's talk about it. So let's focus on the security side of things, because that's what everybody's freaked out about. That's what people don't want to get in trouble with. So... Mm -hmm. Talk to us a little bit about that, Gene. At what point do we have- I'll to give you four to... things that the SEC looks at in determining whether it's a security 
under the definition of investment contract. In the definition of security, it starts with a note, a deed, a stock, a debenture, and all that stuff. We all know what those are. But in the middle of it, there's this little definition, investment contract. And no one knew about that until there was a court case. And the court said, here's what a security is. It's an investment of money in a common enterprise. Okay. That could be your JV. That could be your LLC. That could be your limited liability. That could be your corporation. Everyone's investing in the same enterprise. And they're doing it because they want a profit, because the promises of profit, actually the, the term is the expectation of profit, different than getting me braces, different right. than helping my wedding, profit, which is gonna happen through the results of the promoter. That's the number one key, because there's all sorts of things we do where we put money together in some sort of an entity and we expect profits, all sorts of things. You go down to the bank and put your money in the bank. Yeah, yeah well, um, but again, keeping it focused on real estate because that's what everybody hears. Right, so this is when you put together a group and they all invest in an LLC and they do that because there's an expectation of profit, mm -hmm. but there's the managing member. They all put their money in a limited partnership as limited partners, but there's a general partner. As soon as they're a general partner, a managing member who runs everything, we now have passive investors and we have active investors. As soon as we have that determination, it's a security. The government since 1933 has always felt they had a purpose and the right to protect the passive investors. So that's why they write all the laws. An investment of money in a common enterprise with an expectation of profit through the results of the promoter. So, so when the people call me and say, hey, I want to put together 10 people and do this, and I don't want it to be a syndication, I immediately say, well, who's going to make the decisions? Who's going to get paid? Well, I am. Okay. <laughs> you got a security. Wow, that's another fantastic idea. Hold on to that thought for a sec. We'll be right back. Now, are you a real estate investor who's run out of cash or credit to grow your portfolio? Are you looking to grow your portfolio using other people's money and raising capital? Well, I want to show you how to raise six figures or more in six weeks or less at my upcoming Investor Attraction Workshop. You can get your ticket and find out all about it at InvestorAttractionWorkshop.com. We're going to spend a full day taking a deep dive into this roadmap that I've used to raise millions for my deals, and I've helped other people just like you cumulatively raise hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars for their deals as well. So again, you can check that out at InvestorAttractionWorkshop.com. And as a loyal listener to the podcast, you'll get 50% off your ticket when you use the discount code PODCAST. That's right, discount code PODCAST at InvestorAttractionWorkshop.com. See you at the next workshop. All right. So, Gene, when would it not be a security? So, where do well, when we... there's okay, when there's no managing member, you and I could do a deal. Mm -hmm. Let's say I have a great property in California, and I need a million dollars, and I've got five hundred thousand, and I call you and say, "Put in five hundred thousand dollars. We'll share it 50-50, Get on a plane. Come on out here. Let's look at it. Let's go to the bank. Let's qualify for the loan. Let's both sign the loan and let's both sign the property management agreement 
of the third party property manager and everything we do has to have a unanimous vote between me and you. Member managed. Then we're, LLC, then we're both active investors. In both active. But if I say to you, just send me the $500,000, I've got it under contract. I'm going to get the mortgage. I'll handle it all. You don't have to worry your pretty little head about it. I'm going to take care of it. Security, two people. Interesting. You call it a joint venture, but a joint venture technically is like two general partners getting together to do something. Got it. All right. Well, that's starting to make sense. So it sounds like legally speaking, a lot of people are actually doing security stuff and calling it a joint venture and just kind of hoping for the best. Would that be right? Even to the extent, Dave, that if you put in 90% and I put in 10, unless we vote equally, it's a security because you're going to make all the decisions because you've got 90%. If we say the voting rights are based on our capital contributions, then I'm basically passive. You're in charge. But if we could do that 90-10, and that's fine, as long as the voting rights, you have a vote and I have a vote. You have no control over my money. Right, 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 right. So let's look at a scenario, if you would, Gene, and just play with me here. Let's say I'm doing a single family home, just a house, right? I'm going to find the deal. I'm going to get it under contract. I'm going to do all of that. I'm looking for an investor partner who's going to put up the cash for the deal and qualify for the financing. What would be the best place or the best way to structure that so that it's not a security? Because again, if we have to syndicate something like that, the cost of doing that is going to be ridiculous, right? So Too high. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Well, I think the best way to do that would be to have that party your investor loan you the money, make it a loan, put the money in a second position. If the lender will let you put the money in the second position, you promise to pay the investor, you know, 10%. Yeah. Or whatever it is. Let's say that's not possible. Say it's not possible. You've hit the wall. You've run out of cash. You've run out of credit. You can't qualify for any more finance. That's that's trouble. I want to carry that a little farther before you say, if it's not possible, what if, you can only pay 3%, but you're happy to give them 25% of the profits. Yeah. It's an equity sharing. That's a security. Because now we're talking about with an expectation of profit. Mm-hmm. The interest rate, I mean, this, first of all, it's not a common enterprise because if you don't pay me my interest, I'm going to break your legs. Okay. So we're not in this together. That's what lenders and borrowers do. There's conflict. But if we're in the deal together, The only way you can do it and not make it a security with two people is you put together an LLC and the two members go forward making unanimous decisions, equal and unanimous decisions. That's the only way you can do it. If you make it a limited partnership, you're in trouble because in a limited partnership, there is a general partner and the general partner by definition makes it a security. Mm -hmm. So it has to be a member-managed LLC, and that's fine. People should be doing that anyhow, buying the property in an LLC. Right. So a member-managed LLC will... Member-managed, that's fine. We do all the time. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. What are some of the biggest mistakes you're seeing real estate investors making when it comes to getting in trouble with the Securities and Exchange Commission? 
Well, you know, I was a syndicator for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so when I talk about mistakes, I have some practical experience. (laughs) Those are the best lessons. (laughs) Because I didn't go to law school until I was 45. And my syndication career was basically over then because I wanted it to be. And so I went to law school. And since then, I have my mistakes. I have other people's mistakes. Number one probably is not giving yourself enough time to raise the money. That's a big mistake because if if you're rushed, your investors see that you're rushed, there's going to be a rejection to investing with you. I think another mistake that they make is trying to do a fund, a blind pool too early. You know, you have to have a track record. Hmm. You have to have a track record or you should just do specific properties. I think the four questions an investor should ask are number one, Gene, I'll invest with you, but what happens if something happens to you? Hmm. I could say, well, we've got this set up, we've got a manager LLC and it's Dave and me. So we've got continuity. The next question they should ask is, Gene, have you done this before? We've all had to answer that no, haven't we? Mm until we get our first deal done. So let's get our first deal done. Third question is, hey, do you have any money in the game? Do you have a skin in the game, Gene? Well, along with the fact I'm signing the mortgage, (laughs) yes, I'm putting some cash in. And then the fourth question is, Gene, if I ever need my money back, how do we deal with that? Mm -hmm. And then Gene's gonna say, well, our attorney's gonna have drafted an operating agreement that is going to have liquidation provisions. And so we can work that out. We just have to do the agreement. Today, what I see the biggest mistakes that syndicators make that are securities law is a criminal statute. So if you violate the securities laws, that could be criminal. It could also be just civil, but it could be criminal. And the the way people are violating the securities laws maybe is not writing the documents at all. Mm-hmm. And just, I'll take you all your four or five of your money, we'll put it in the bank, we'll just go forward. Spit, spit the handshake. Yeah, or drafting the documents themselves, mm-hmm. which is the unauthorized practice of law, which is a bad deal. Not reading their documents after they pay an exorbitant amount to an attorney like me to write them, they don't even read them. That's just a killer. Having someone else raise money for you. That's very prevalent today. People are floating around and say, gee, I'll put together a group and I'll come in your deal. I'll help you fund your deal and I want to get paid. Illegal, totally illegal. Unless you have a securities license, you can't sell someone else's securities. Now, let me just say that there is a rule in the securities law, just like for sale by owner. In real estate, for sale by owner. The securities world, it's called the issuer exemption. You can go out and do your own securities offering and raise all the money you want yourself without a license. You don't need a license because you have the issuer exemption. You have the issuer exemption because you're a member of the manager LLC. So someone else who steps outside of the manager LLC and says, I'll raise money for you, but I want to get paid. They don't have the issuer exemption. So that's illegal for you and for them. So is the way um, is the way to deal with thing. that big broad strokes is the way to deal with that to have them part of the management and that sure yeah, that's, that's what you have, you have to bring them in 
yeah. bring them into the manager, and then that creates an issue. Do they now have to sign on the mortgage? Do they now have to be underwritten? Do they now really even want to be in it, mm-hmm. be in the manager? And there's so many people who are doing that illegal. They'll just illegally, they'll just go somewhere else and get someone else to pay them. That's a very risky situation for the person who's raising the money because one of the remedies in securities law violation is you have to give the investors all their money back. A person who is unlicensed and raises money for my deal, the investors can just go after them. Mm. They don't even have to go to me because maybe I don't have big pockets. Maybe that's why we're in trouble. They go right to the person who raised the money and ask for all their money back. Hmm. Trouble. Big trouble. Gene, thank you so much for shedding a little light on this whole subject. If people want to find out more about you and what you're up to, where should they go? Well, how about my website? Yeah. TrowbridgeLawGroup.com. And when you go there, we'll put that in the show notes as well. Yeah. And will you put my um, YouTube channel, Trowbridge Law? And we have all sorts of interviews and educational things. I've been an educator all my life. My whole marketing approach has always been education based marketing. So, I've got all sorts of good stuff in my YouTube channel. They should go there and subscribe. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Gene, thank you very much. And everybody, thank you very much for tuning in. And we'll see you on the next episode. Well, hey there. Thanks for tuning into the Property Profits Podcast. If you like this episode, that's great. Please go ahead and subscribe on iTunes. Give us a good review. That'd be awesome. I appreciate that. And if you're looking to attract investors and raise capital for your deals, then I'm going to invite you to get a complimentary copy of my newest book right back there. There it is. The Money Partner Formula. You can get a PDF version at InvestorAttractionBook.com. Again, InvestorAttractionBook.com. Take care.